All right, everybody, welcome into the podcast, the Deep End Podcast. Wednesday, 12 noon, we like to call it Bible Study on Your Time on Facebook Live at 12 noon every week, but also available to you on our podcast, downloadable to your phone. We are here to talk about something that America loves to talk about. Well, America loves to say, don't judge me. Don't judge me. It's America's favorite, you know, Bible verse, if you will. We love it. We quote it. Problem is, we hardly ever use it. Today, we learn how to live judgment-free in a judgment-filled world. This is The Deep End. The Deep End Podcast. Welcome to The Deep End Podcast, brought to you by Waters Church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. The Deep End is where we go deeper into the scriptures to empower our walk with God. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we're glad you joined us, and we encourage you to be a part of the conversation in the comments below. If you're listening on SoundCloud or your podcast app, be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's go live to Pastor Tim Hatch as we get started with today's podcast. This is The Deep End. Welcome into the Deep End Podcast, everybody, and my name is Tim, the pastor here at North Attleboro Campus of Waters Church, and I want to say welcome into the podcast, Chris McEwen and the fabulous Shane Parsons. Take a look at our guests today. We're so... Okay, that's not... That's not... That's not... There's Shane Parsons. Hello, Hello Shane. Welcome in, everybody, back to the Deep End Podcast with the guys. I want to say... Shout out to the ladies last week. They yep. did a fantastic job. job. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic job. But today it is. I see. The boys are back in town. The boys. That's right. Are back in town. Amen. Come on. Welcome back. Thank you. To the boys. <laughs> and I know you all really missed us. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the women really did a great job. Yeah. We are. Uh, going to talk about some things coming up at the church. So Shane, give us the lowdown on what's happening. All right. Um, Trunk or Treat is October 28th, uh, between 1 and 3. In North Island, it'll be, it'll be right here in the parking lot. And this year, we're going to do Trunk or Treat in Woonsocket and Milford. Same date, same time. But in Milford, it'll be the Pins Bowling Lane. And in Woonsocket, it'll be uh, connecting children and families parking lot on Hope Street in Woonsocket. So that's happening. Our Christmas child boxes are due uh, the 4th and 5th of November. We'll have more boxes for you in each campus this weekend to pick up if you need one. Mm. And first Wednesday is on for November. Mm. So mark your calendars. Looking forward to seeing everybody at that. On November 1st. Yes, sir. First Wednesday on the 1st, which doesn't happen very often. No. No. And growth track part three is this weekend. It's deep in. Hey, Chris? uh, Dedicate, actually. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Third one, dedicate. (laughs) Third week. If you missed the first two or you just want to join us, come up 1130 in our Next Step Center upstairs and join us. Yes. Cool. And what do they find out in dedicate? Uh, They find out how to dedicate their time, talent, and treasure. Mm. So it's on tithing. Uh, I think we we touch on small groups and uh, overall basis for uh, the growth track here at Waters. So if I want to know where do I fit in at Waters Church, this is the week to do it. Yeah, find uh, find out what you can do next. Be it small group, uh, volunteering, mm-hmm. um, baptism class, financial peace class. We go over it all. Great. Yeah. What if I miss part one and two? Why would I go to three? 
um, because I'll be there. No. Oh, yeah, okay. No, no. Uh, John Walker's <laughs> teaching. He's one of our great teachers. You can. They do reoccur every month. So every you, month. You can join us next month. Maybe you want to take three first and then do one, too. Yeah, you know? don't have to take them cool. in order. Yeah, we don't have our prescribed order. As much as we want you to take them in order. Sure. Not everybody shows up on the first week. Right. Yeah, and some people uh, forget about it occasionally and want to re-up and, and look back into it. So, yeah, everyone's welcome. All right. Awesome. Cool. So like I said, the boys are back in town, and I got a question for you. Who wrote this song? Ooh. Hey, Facebook commenters. The first one to answer this question gets a signed autograph Bible <laughs> <laughs> written by the hand of God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no. Who wrote the boys are back in town? No Google. No Google. Don't Google it. Tell me. Can you figure it out? Can we put that slide up? The boys are back in town. There we are. I'll give you a hint with that picture. Any comments? Not yet. No. Hmm. Well, one or two. Nobody is into classic rock out there. I think these people were, uh, these guys were a one-hit wonder. I think so. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'd have to Google the answer. Like yeah. Tiffany. Tiffany? Didn't she have a couple? I know her. I think we're alone now. She's yeah. older than me. Isn't she, she is? I think yeah. so. Well, wow. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, we got a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. All, all right. right. Who, we got it. Who yeah. got it? Who is it? Uh, uh, where am I looking? Um, John Bromley. Bromley. Yeah. John Bro Bromley. All yeah. right. Yeah. He's and the quickest Googler. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. The boys are back in town. And appropriately enough, a boy got it. Okay. So, uh -oh. today, don't judge me. That's the title of the podcast episode. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 4, then we'll take a break, come back to it. This is the passage of Scripture we're going to talk about today. I love this passage of Scripture, by the way. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required that stewards or required of stewards that they be found trustworthy or faithful. But with me... Paul says, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. I am not aware of anything against myself, but that does not make me acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, pronounce no judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things that are now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his con commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And that's all we're going to talk about in the passage of 1 Corinthians 4 today. I'm excited for this, and we will get into it right after this break. The Deep End is presented by Waters Church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. If you're looking for a church, we invite you to come check out one of our services on Saturdays at 4 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. And now, back to The Deep End. Minutes until we talked about the beer. Uh, <laughs> it's a new record. I think a new record. I'm getting better. He's slowing down. Uh -huh. Don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> no. We are uh, filled with judgments, are we not, as a country? We I are. Mean, um, oh, yeah. See the news. Yeah. Like, news is no longer news. News is now judging people who don't, don't like your view. <laughs> More gossip than news, yeah. And, uh, you know, you find news outlets that fit with your judgment of the world. Sure. Easier uh, to watch. You go on social media and you judge other people's lives and mm. you measure yourself against other people's lives. This is like the human condition of 21st century America. So true. Mm. 
but here's what we do about judgment. We don't want anybody to judge us. Right. You know, and we're like, we, you know, we don't want anybody to tell us that we're bad. You know, so we judge some things. And the thing about our culture, too, is this is what's funny about our culture. Our culture judges some things really, really bad. And then other things, not so bad. Mm, yeah. Like right now, racism, really, really bad. Right. Sexual morality, not so bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's yeah. how it is with uh, any culture. Uh, it's amazing what's going on with Hollywood right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, they are in a heap of mess over there in Hollywood land. And uh, it's, a, it's funny how the, if you think now back to one year ago right now, mm-hmm. Hollywood was lambasting President Trump or then candidate Trump. Right. How dare he? He's a misogynistic pig. What a what a piece of garbage. Look at him. He's, you know, what are you call it? Sexually assault or talking about sexually assaulting women. That whole Billy Bush yeah, that video that came video. out. Yeah. The TMZ video yeah. came out and 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 rightly so. Sure. Hollywood condemned all of that. Right. That he said actually was hideous. Yeah. Right? Yep. But now mm-hmm. look at what's in their closet. Yeah. You know, here we've got a, a system, a systemic problem in Hollywood. I don't think this is like shocking to anybody. No. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is a, this is a, or, um, industry that profits on the sexual exploitation of women's bodies, men's mm-hmm. bodies, not so much men's bodies. <laughs> Nobody wants to look at a man's body. <laughs> well, but the you know, women last week might disagree. Maybe, uh, maybe they do. I don't uh, know. I don't, maybe they do. I don't know. I think it's far more prevalent though that women, sure. women's bodies are <laughs> sexually exploited. You don't see like a sexy man selling like, um, you know, towels. <laughs> you, see, you see a sexy woman selling everything. Yeah. And um, and so now, you know, it's like when I see Hollywood now condemning Harvey Weinstein and all the people that are involved in this this very, you know, vast covered up kind of culture of uh, sexual harassment and, mm. uh, and abuse of women, uh, it just kind of reminds me that this is the country, this is the human condition. I'm not picking on Hollywood because it's, it's resident in all of us. We quickly... Um, blast the failures of people we don't like. Right. But usually it's because there's those same failures are in us. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what this Harvey Weinstein thing has shown us as a culture. Like we love to judge those who are different than us uh, with the same of the same actions that are resident in ourselves. Mm. So this is funny, actually. I looked this up on Google. If you type into Google, the Bible says not to, and you know Google does those automatic search result yeah, things. Right, yeah. Look at the, look at the look at the list. Like so, these are the common searches in Google. The Bible says not to, and the first one is eat pork. So I guess there's a lot of I don't know people thinking about that. But uh, <laughs> the Bible says not to judge. Number two, uh-huh. not to judge. I mean that's that's funny. There it is. People love this idea. Let me just get this out. Let me just find a Bible verse about where it says, don't judge that I don't have anybody telling me what not to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Paul was facing a problem in Corinth that is kind of really related to what we're talking about because he was facing a judgment problem in Corinth. Mm-hmm. And the judgment problem was that the Corinthians, the Corinthians, Corinthians, the Corinthians were making judgments about him. They were making judgments about him based on how he was and compared to how Apollos was as a preacher. Right. Remember? And so what's interesting now about 1 Corinthians chapter 4, listeners, is that this is the same issue that he brought up uh, in chapter 1. He's dealing with this division in the church. Mm-hmm. And remember, like way back to like week two of this 
podcast, we talk about what's the most important things to deal with the church that's filled with sexual immorality, lawsuits amongst believers, denial of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and, um, you know, uh, getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, and then divisions. And it's like, the first thing he takes on is divisions, which means that it's so important that the church comes together and be unified. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? And he's still dealing with it now, four chapters in, to kind of under... Uh, deprogram the Corinthians from these problems that they're facing as a, as a community with division. And where does judgment come from? Judgment comes from, um, I mean, sorry, where does division come from? Division comes from the fact that we love to judge. Yeah. That it's us and them. Yep. We want to feel better about ourselves, so we put it on somebody else. Yep. Yeah. So this produces a judgment-filled world, and we're going to talk about what Paul does here, which is astounding. I said it in the beginning when we read it, that 1 Corinthians 4 has to be one of my favorite Bible verses as a pastor, Mm. and we'll talk about that for a reason uh, coming up, but it's also one of my, I think, uh, listeners, it's going to be one of your favorite passages in the Bible once you see what Paul is saying here, because he's telling the Corinthians, I am not concerned about your judgment of me, Mm. and I want you to understand why I'm not concerned about how you see me. So it's powerful. Yeah. And it really gives us a, a, an insight into Christians. How do we live judgment-free in a judgment-filled world? Because you cannot avoid people judging you. Yeah. You cannot avoid people thinking one way about you or another way about you. Mm-hmm. you know, you're, so we do the, the tons of things to make sure that we look a certain way or we dress a certain way or, or we impress people with our outward appearance so that people don't judge us or people will think well of us because we're filled with this judgmentality in our culture of, I have got to live up to the standards that other people have set upon me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which brings me to Shane Parsons over here with his hat. And I, <laughs> well, the hat. The hat. We're on, we're on Shane again. Yeah, well, this wasn't because the good news. Preliminary. Uh, <laughs> that's a, it's off the cuff. Just off the cuff. <laughs> nice hat, Shane. This is how we roll when. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I was thinking about the fact that none of your clothes today are borrowed. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. I bought this. <laughs> Good. I, bought all, yeah. I couldn't ask another guy in here for their hat. So. These are yeah. all your clothes. Yeah. I had Pereira's jacket on, but last no, last no. last time you did. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of. It's like a meat locker in here, so I needed something. Yeah, yeah. start off cold. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We, like to, we like to keep. Thanks it cold. for noticing the hat, though. Yeah. Why do we keep it cold? Because <laughs> <laughs> the women will be sweating in here. I mean, no, they'd be freezing in here. All right, so let's get into the text. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. This is how one should regard us. This is how you guys, he's saying to the Corinthians, this is how I want you to see us as two things, servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Okay, so first, the two things that Paul says, I want you to see me as this. Uh, you guys are chomping at the bit to say something that's happening. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, somebody's we... sticking up for Shane's hat. Yeah, so Shane's wants to someone's asking you, know. you not to judge me about my hat. Uh-huh. Maybe I need to judge sometimes. My friend Joe. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I won't judge. I, I was trying to give him a compliment that he had his own clothes on, finally. <laughs> finally. He went to the store and bought something. <laughs> All right, anyway, he goes, First <laughs> Corinthians 4.1. Let's get back into the text of the Bible. This is how one should regard us. Two things, servants of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. So let's talk about number one, servants of Christ. Now, an interesting thing about this word servants of Christ is the word servant here is a very rare word in the Bible for for servant in the Greek text, as opposed to almost every other text of the New Testament. Whenever the New Testament says servant, most often it uses the Greek word doulos. Now, doulos in the Greek refers to... um, refers to the one who works and provides a service for someone. And in the word doulos, and I know I'm thrilling everybody out there with Greek words. Love but it. Just but pay, pay attention because there's a reason. The emphasis in the word doulos is on the 
advantage provided to the person who serves. Mm. So when mm. when the Bible uses when the Greek text uses the word doulos, the emphasis is on the service rendered, the thing you are giving to someone. Mm-hmm. But that's not the word Paul uses here in 1 Corinthians 4. He uses the word huperetes. Now, it's very inter- important that you get this for a second because huperetes uh, is a different word. In It means servant, but it's a different kind of servant. It's actually a representative servant of a higher authority. Okay. So the emphasis on huperetes is on the represented authority of the person serving. So not the thing they're giving, not but the, thing they're giving, the authority given to them. The person they're acting on behalf. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So now you get it? Yeah. This is why it's important. Yeah. Because Paul is saying, I want you to see that I am a representative of Christ for you. Right. And the emphasis here he wants to make clear is, I'm here to lead you and serve you as Christ himself would serve you. Hmm. Which is so important for pastors and leaders, and that's, by the way, why you guys are on the podcast today, because you, we three represent the pastoral leadership team of Waters Church, executive pastor, director of pastoral care, lead pastor, and we all have this pastoral um, responsibility over our church, mm. and what we have to remind ourselves and listeners who go to Waters Church, or if you attend another church, this is good for you as well, your pastor is um, a representative of Christ's service to your life. Mm. And so it's not about the service rendered, as important as that is. It's about the fact that he stands in his place. He serves on Christ's behalf for you. And this is why Paul is going to say, I don't care what you think about me. Right. Because it's not about what you think about me. It's not about the service rendered. It's about the fact that I know who's serving, who I'm serving. Right. Mm. So I just wanted to put this here on the slide, which is any leader in the church or in business or anywhere that's a Christian, any Christian leader obsessed with his followers' approval is not seeking the approval of Christ. Right. So pastors and leaders in the church have got to root themselves in the fact that uh, we are servants of Jesus. That means, pay attention, listeners, a good pastor is not a servant of you. Wow. Yeah. He is not a servant of your preferences, of your wants, Mm. of your desires, of what you think the church should do and should be like. Mm. Number two, a good pastor is not a servant of a board of directors. Right. And this is rampant in America because we have taken the uh, civil government statutes or, you know, policies and we have adopted these into the church policies and the bylaws of the churches in, the, in our country. And we have seen the church go nowhere in many respects because pastors are like presidents that can get nothing done because right. they have to get board approval and all this kind of stuff. And, and so, um, scripturally speaking, uh, no, the pastor is not a servant of the board. Now, boards are necessary for legality issues and all that kind of stuff, but but the board should respect the spiritual authority of the pastor. You should respect him as God's emissary and 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 say, yeah, we're going to trust this guy because he is in place by God for the purposes of our growth and development. I have had many friends, pastor friends, um, who have been driven by their board. And, yeah, you know, just they, the board calls the shots. The board hired them to do what the board wanted them to do. And I have these guys, you know, because I meet with pastors in this community a, a ton, and I hear their stories and they're heartbreaking of how they want to see their church reach people for Christ. Yep. Board won't let them. Yeah. They want to change things. Board won't let them. They want to make the church more uh, more relevant for people far from God. Board won't let them. And it's like, 
That's just a a disconnection from the scriptural principle about what a pastor is, okay? A good pastor is not a servant of the board. Third, a good pastor is not a servant of culture. Right. A good pastor does not care if he is culturally acceptable in every respect. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a balance there because we want to be attractive to people outside of Christ. We want to say, hey, we're like you. We we live in the same world that you live in. We talk about the same things that you talk about. We raise kids. We have budget, you know, financial stresses and financial issues that we have to apply to ourselves. So we want to be relevant. Right. But we don't want to be always acceptable. Right. So the we cannot serve the culture, and this is the problem of. And I'm always talking about this on the sun on the weekends. But this was the problem that the mainline churches. Uh, this was the this was the bad decision the mainline churches made in the last century. They decided, oh my gosh, we had better like eliminate all the supernatural stuff from the Bible so that we're more culturally yeah, acceptable. Except, right. And what they found is that they became social clubs mm-hmm. uh, built around just being good to other people, and they never. They never made an impact in their culture, and now they're dying, and their seminaries are closing, and things are not going well yeah. because they tried to be culturally acceptable, and that's just being a servant of culture. Right, which changes all the time. Which right? changes all yeah. the time. And Good God's point, Word Chris. doesn't, yeah. Yeah. So uh, everybody listening, and everybody especially at Waters Church, you got to get this. you got to understand that a pastor is not there to serve your interests and your preferences. So he will do things that you don't agree with. And Paul is... Case in point, he's going to do something in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians that they don't agree with. Right. In fact, the whole rest of the book of Corinthians, he's going to talk about things that they're not going to agree with. But mm-hmm. he's challenging them as a representative of Christ Jesus. Secondly, a good pastor is not a, a servant of a board or a select group of people. And by the way, even if a church doesn't have a board, you know and I know that in every church, there's some little group of people that are highly influential yeah. that could puppeteer the pastor or try to sure this happens in every in every church Mm. right and so pastor has to constantly check himself am i going to cater to those influential people those big givers givers. those people that i know or that i've been friends with for a long time and i don't want to upset them Mm. the moment we do that the moment we're serving them right the moment we have stopped serving christ and being his ambassador and now we're ambassadors of the important people in the church anyway i gotta keep moving so can I hold a pastor accountable? Absolutely. You can hold a pastor accountable to the priorities of Christ. If he is a servant of Christ's priorities, then you can hold your pastor accountable to the priorities of Christ. Mm-hmm. What are the priorities of Christ? Reaching people with God's message, right? Right. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's it. Priority one. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, uh, you know, building the church to be functional around serving our neighbors, loving our community, being mm-hmm. a community-centered, outwardly focused congregation because Amen. guess what that's what jesus was for us yeah that's right he left the congregation in heaven to come and serve us here on earth in our big fat mess and he gave his life for us and that's the priority of christ that's the priority that the church pastor should put should should shepherd the church into amen he says secondly you are servants or we are servants i'm sorry stewards of the mysteries of god we are stewards and so the word here steward means manager Mm-hmm. Somebody who is given a set of things that they have to make sure are well cared for, mm-hmm. and what are we to well care, what are we to care for well in the uh, body of Christ? Stewards of what of the mysteries of God, and uh, the mystery word here is a you know a very important word in the New Testament. The mysteries of God, um, all over the New Testament, this word comes up. Mm-hmm. Mysterion in the in the Greek. Now, mysterion in the Greek refers to uh, something known only to the initiated. 
Okay. This is the definition that I found, which was I thought was very appropriate. Yeah. A mystery is something that only the people inside the organization understand. Okay. It's like a magic trick. Right. A magic trick is like, wow, until you understand, oh, how did you do yeah. it? Yeah. Like, how many times do you find out how was a magic trick done? And you're like, right. that was nothing. The mystery's gone. so stupid, right? Yeah. yeah. But now, okay, I know now how it's done. So magicians are like... Stewards of the mysteries of magic mm -hmm. or the, you know, the sleight of hand or whatever they do. But pastors and leaders are stewards of the mysteries, the things that God has revealed to his people. And we all know this because if you have unsaved or un non-Christian friends, you know that you understand things about the Bible they don't get. Mm, right. You know, it just happens. Yeah, it can be frustrating. It's, but yeah, yeah you, yeah, you can speak to that more than us, Chris. Sure. You have you've been recently, well, not recent, that recent, like but five come years. To Christ. Yeah. yeah, and you still have a lot of friends and family that are not connected to Christ, and so it's always a bit of a tension, mm -hmm. a bit of a struggle to say, "I get this," and yet they don't get it. And and to go back to your whole point too, it's the whole I feel judged. You yeah. know, they they feel I judge them just for my beliefs, even though I've said nothing judgmental. Right. And vice versa, I feel judged because yeah. I'm, I'm coming to church. And they're so, judging yeah. you. They're judging me. They're and judging I'm you. judging them, even Judgment-filled world. Right. So he says, we are stewards of these mysteries. Now, I just wanted to take you guys through the mysteries because they're important. Uh, there's four basic mysteries in the New Testament. Four basic things that Christians understand that non-Christians don't. Mm. The first one, some Christians, non-Christians might, might know, but they don't understand it. The first mystery in the Bible, in the New Testament, that we are stewards of is God's plan of salvation. And here's God's plan of salvation, that Jesus would come and submit himself to the cross and die for our sins. Mm. His atonement for our sins is a mystery, Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, right. 16. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. What's the mystery of godliness? He, Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in the glory. The this is a mystery to the world because the world thinks that um, might makes right. Yeah. The, the world thinks that the one with the strongest arm calls the shots and does what is good. Mm. America, for instance, mm -hmm. is like the world's policeman. Right. Yeah. So even in our culture in America, we tend to think other cultures are so stupid because they're just not Americans. We have the power, so we must be right. Right. And the mystery of godliness is that God in wisdom beyond what we can understand has his son actually submit himself and, and humble himself mm -hmm. and give up his power and his right to, to annihilate the Roman Empire mm. and instead die for our sins. The real problem was not the Roman Empire. The real problem is the sinful nature of man's heart that produces things like the Roman Empire right? or North Korea or, you know, untethered capitalism that robs the poor and feeds the rich or whatever you want to say. I don't know. Sure. You know, so it's not the policies of the world that the problem is the sin problem. The second mystery that the New Testament outlines is the mystery of God's plan for the nations. This is a really important mystery. Here it is in Ephesians 3, 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles, those are non-Jews, are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ through Jesus, through the gospel. The second mystery that we steward as pastors and leaders is this. God saves all the nations through his chosen nation, the Jewish people. Every Jew owes a debt to the, I'm sorry, every Gentile, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Every Gentile owes a debt to the Jewish nation. Yeah. That's why we must always pray for the peace of Jerusalem, support Israel, love the Jewish people, because they gave us our Savior, right? 
Yes. 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 <laughs> Jesus, they, Jesus, Jesus was, was not Jewish. Italian. Amen. He was Jewish. All right. So we. This is a. This is a mystery. How are the How is the world going to be saved through the true Jew, Jesus Christ, who saved us, Amen. and He brings all nations into one people. This is a mystery to the world because we like to brag about our color, our ethnicity, our upbringing, our, our whatever you want to say. And it's a mystery to the world because we divide along those lines. And Jesus says, and God says, no, through my son's blood, I can all make you very different people one. Mm-hmm. Third mystery is Ephesians 5.32 where Paul talks about husbands and wives. And he says, husbands, love your wives, Christ as Christ loved the church and wives submit to your husbands. And then he gets to the end of that passage. He says in 532, he says, this mystery is profound. And I am saying that all of this about marriage refers to Christ and the church. This is an interesting mystery in the new Testament. It's the mystery of God's plan to unite his church with Christ in holy matrimony, in holy marriage, Mm. whereby we become one with him. And in marriage, think about this, uh, two people become one identities are changed. Um, property, is now shared. Um, this is a mystery, Christian, you'll get this, because people outside of the church don't understand how, for Christians, Jesus and the Bible are so stinking important to them. Right. Why Why? Why? why yeah. do you have to take it so serious? I don't get it. You know, why do you have to be so Christian? I mean, yeah, yeah have your beliefs, but, you know, get along with everybody else. Yeah. Every know, weekend. Yeah. yeah. Well, why yeah. do you have to be so committed to Jesus? And they don't get it. it that's why. That's why it's a mystery, because... Mm-hmm. When we are united with Christ through his blood and we are, you know, he is our spiritual, you know, partner, our spiritual spouse, if you will, he becomes priority number one. In marriage, your spouse becomes priority number one. Mm -hmm. And all other relationships are upended as they were because now you belong to this person, right? right? So, so too in Christ, when we marry Christ through the, through the gospel, now all other relationships are upended because he is priority one. He comes first. Yeah. And then the fourth the fourth mystery is from Ephesians 1.9. This is God's plan for the cosmos, which is a big fancy word for saying this is God's plan for the end of the world. Uh, Ephesians 1.9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him through things in heaven and things on earth. This is a mystery to the world. People don't get this mm-hmm. because they still think or non-Christians tend to think that better laws, more education will fix things. Right. And we know that better laws are great and more education is wonderful, Mm. but the only thing that's ultimately going to fix everything is the return of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's ever going to fix everything. Everything else is just putting a finger in a dam. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good good illustration. I like Mm. that. So anyway, this is what pastors are called right. to do. Yes, yeah, very yeah, good. I'm here for a reason. Shane, I would appreciate more interaction. <laughs> nice hat. Can't nice beat hat, that Shane. finger in a damn. <laughs> Point McEwen. That's right. One nothing McEwen. Uh-oh. So these are the mysteries. We got to tell the world the fact that God plans to save the world. God plans to bring all the nations to uh, into oneness with him in his son. God plans to unite the world in in Christ in holy merit matrimony, the, I mean the church into Christ in holy matrimony, and then God plans to save the world finally and forever at the return of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I share all that to get to this. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. First Corinthians four two. So that's what we got to be faithful to mm-hmm. as pastors. We got to move the ship along yeah. in that direction. Are people getting united to Christ? Are people? Loving their neighbors, they love themselves because we're all one in Christ Jesus. Our people understanding that Christ is priority number one because you are now his spouse. Yeah. He is your spouse. You are now one with him and all other relationships come second. That's why like on Sunday when I talked about 
not living together. Right. If you're a Christian, you cannot do what the world does because Christ is now in charge. Christ is now your priority. You want to please him just like you would want to please your spouse. Mm -hmm. And that means people tempted to cohabitate. That means that you don't please the person you're tempted to cohabitate with because your first priority is Christ who says, this is not good for you. I love you and I don't want you to do this. Right. For your own good. That's where the rubber hits the road, right? Mm -hmm. And that applies not just to cohabitation. It applies to money management. That applies to time management. That applies to how we treat our, uh, if I'm an employee, how I treat my employer. If I'm an employer, yeah. If I'm an employee, how do I treat my boss? It applies. I must respect him. Even if I don't like him, I must respect him because why? Because Christ tells me to respect all those who are in authority. Mm -hmm. If I'm an employer, I must treat my employees kindly and, and well because my Father in heaven has treated me well. Christ has treated me well. And so all things that I do are because of who Christ is. This is what we are as pastors to steward people along in. Mm-hmm. All right. So going on in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul says, I have applied these things. I'm going to skipping over these the 3 to 5 for a second. He says, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. And what does he mean? I have applied the fact that I know what I'm called to do, and I don't care if you like it, mm-hmm. because this is what Christ has called me to do. Yeah. I have applied that to myself for your benefit. And and uh, Waters Church, listen, you absolutely, and any church member out there, of any church, you absolutely want a pastor who is far more interested in pleasing Christ than pleasing you. Oh, yeah. Amen. Because he will do what Christ wants for you, which is actually good for you, mm-hmm. even when you don't think it is. And he will, and it will go well with you if you listen. Right. A pastor and a leader of a church, maybe a small group leader in our church too, who is unconcerned with whether or not you like the fact that he is leading you in the path of righteousness mm-hmm. is a huge blessing to your life. Right. Hard to receive, but great for you. Yeah. yeah. Hard to receive, but great for you. Good yeah. point. Two points for oh, McEwen. No. I'm going to be quiet now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Come on, That's Shane. Fine. Shane yeah. whispered that one in my ear. Shane yeah. gets a point for... Not having any borrowed clothes today. Yeah, the hack I'm is sorry, the point. I'm judging him again. I'm that, sorry, oh, Bob, Joe, whoever it is. Today. Big judge. <laughs> Big judge. <laughs> this judgment-filled world. <laughs> we have, oh, trying to make the go. point. Okay. Now, mm. let's get into a really great verse for all of you. This is fantastic. Please look at this again in verse 3. And you don't have to be a Christian leader to apply this to yourself. This can apply to every Christian. I want, I want everybody to get to this point where you can say, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even <clears throat> judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Wouldn't you love to get to the point where you can say, as for me, <laughs> mm. uh, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. Wouldn't you just love to say that to your critics? Yeah. Just free, very free to your people, to the people who don't get why you follow Christ so closely to the people who, mm-hmm. you know, uh, put you down for what you believe or whatever, Yeah, you know, and there, ladies and gentlemen, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is a tremendous freedom to the gospel whereby the gospel now uh, empowers you to live right. judgment free. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be judged. Right. It just means that you don't internalize. Mm-hmm. You, don't that, you don't care. 
Point Point Parsons. All right, it's tied up. Okay, you you don't care. <laughs> out, out, sorry, Shane really, really sorry. smacked you there. Punch me. For for the listeners, he <laughs> whacked that Chris was a Physical physical judgment right there. Physical altercation. Mm. Okay, anyway, uh, to get to the point where you <laughs> literally you uh you will be criticized, you will be hated on, you will be uh, misunderstood, and yet it it won't go in here. It won't go in your heart. Wow, I would love to get to that point. Yeah. Because pastors deal with this just as much as everybody else. We are tempted to please the people. We are tempted to make people happy. We are tempted yep. to make people think, okay, we really know everything and we're really wonderful, awesome, spiritual people. And historically, pastors with their children especially, their children had to be so well-behaved. Their children, children had to be completely good all the time, the perfect image of a Christian child. And I'm so thankful about Water Church. This church does not do that with my children. No. Thank you for letting my children just be children. And mm. they are, you know, they are not perfect and they are still, they need the discipline, all that kind of stuff. But we do not, we do not feel that here. That's awesome. Um, question. It, oh, yeah. my hand's up. Question. Oh, okay, question. Here you go. Uh, well, we had one earlier, but right. okay. So. This one. This. But being judged isn't always negative, is it? No. And that's what we're going to get to because Paul's going to judge the Corinthians harshly for the rest of the book. I mean, he gets into the next chapter and he's going to tell them, right. look, there's sexual morality in your house. And we'll get to that. But I, I would think it depends where and who it's coming from, though, right? I mean, well, sure, where's yes. the judgment coming that's from? That's the point that I'm making. Right. That's yeah. the point that I'm making here Who's with judging? Paul. Right. Who is judging? Of course, there's judgment that has to be uh, made in the house of God. But what he's talking about here is that you're going to be filled with all kinds of judgments mm-hmm. about who you are and about what people think of you. And that's where Paul's. That's that's the field that Paul is playing ball in here. He's not really dealing with that just yet. Right. About okay, yes, there is proper judgment. And, he, and, and so we're getting into the emotional quotient of how to handle living in a world that is going to constantly throw judgment at you. Right. So again, verse 3 here, very important passage. He says, with me, is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. So he says, look, Corinthians, I am not really concerned about your opinion of me. And I'm not concerned about the opinion of the outside world. The word, the word here, any human court, is actually literally man's day. So he's like, I'm not, I'm mm. not, it's a small thing for me to be judged by man's day. And you talked about this, Chris, that outside of the church, the culture is always changing. Right. What's right today might be wrong 10 years from now. Yeah. What's wrong right now might be totally acceptable 40 years from now. Mm-hmm. Case in point, America, 1860 compared to America, 2017. Oh, yeah. 1860, huh. slavery was okay. Mm. 1860, women's not voting, fine. Yeah. Women not working, fine. Women not equal in opportunity to men, fine. Uh, 18, uh, how about 1910? Uh, ch- children working long hours in a factory, right. totally fine. Yep. 2017, we have radically changed. All those things, by the way, for the better. Right, for right. the better. But my point about that is that in every generation, every generation has felt that they were right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it takes time for us to realize that we're all still, as a culture, as a world, we're still making improvements. And not every, not every decision that we make is an improvement. Right. That's good. For instance, slavery in the new world, slavery in this country was an invention of, you know, the 1600s, not necessarily an ancient invention. That's mm-hmm. why we cannot relate slavery in the Bible to slavery of the 1800s in this country. Yeah. They are totally different. That was 1860 slavery or 1800 slavery, chattel slavery, where we took people from another nation, kidnapped them, mm-hmm. and brought them into another nation to enslave them for life. 
in the Bible, slavery most often refers to indentured servitude. Mm-hmm. It was a way of welfare to get out of poverty. It was more like an employment contract. And it, of course, it was not it was not a great situation. I'm not saying, oh, let's get back to those days. But it wasn't the same thing. It was not. Wow. And so there was a point at which, what I'm trying to say to you, to you is that in the West, there was a point at which we thought, oh, sla- enslaving entire nations from Africa is a good idea. Mm. I mean, we came to that decision right. back in you know 1600s as a, as a human race, and of course we corrected ourselves. Right. Hundred, it took us hundreds of years later, and we are still dealing with the ramifications of that decision still to this day. Right. Because yeah. white people do not understand the the a black person's experience in this country to this day. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. We just don't. We don't understand their experience. It's totally different. Sure. And we gotta be much more sensitive and much more like like everybody is asking us, you know, listen, pay attention, understand that it's just a totally different experience. But here's the what I'm saying is. It took about 400, 500 years for the world to self-correct about that issue. Mm-hmm. What issues today is the world saying, yeah, let's do this, and it's going to take us 100, maybe 200, 300 years to say self-correct, oh my gosh, we were wrong about that. Yeah, I can think of a few. <laughs> <laughs> I can think about a few. Mm. Um, anyway, the, <laughs> the educational mantra, and it brings me, up, uh, brings me to this point, the educational mantra of our, of our school system, and I hear my kids doing this all the time too, is they come home with this idea that, if it's in the past, it must be bad. Yeah. If it's in the future, it must be good. New is always better. And right. that's yeah. just, this is why you can't, as a pastor, as a Christian, you cannot make moral decisions based on what the world is telling you, mm-hmm. what your generation is telling you, what your culture is telling you. And there's lots of nonsense out there. Yeah, Lots of it. It's in our school systems in a big way right oh, yeah. now. And it's in um, you know the, 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 the general culture of American living. And Paul, this is why Paul, what Paul's saying is so important for Christians. And this goes back to the question that we had on, on Facebook. Yes, it's absolutely important to identify where is the judgment coming from. Sure. Right. If the judgment is coming from a world that says, you guys, you Christians, you're outdated, you're bigots, you're homophobes, you're you know, transphobes, whatever you want to say, whatever they call us now today. Yeah, all uh, those things, by the way. Yeah, pretty much all that stuff. We all those things. Daily. We cannot then say, oh gosh, what do we need to change? Because that... Right. That source of judgment, we got to start eliminating. That's what Paul did. I don't care if I'm judged by any human court. Right. And I love that. Yeah, me I too. don't. I don't care if I am judged by any human court. And then he says, it is the Lord who judges me. Mm. So here's how you get away from worrying about the judgment of others upon your life. When you understand that it is the Lord who judges you. And now look at the next line in verse 3. He says, in fact, I do not even judge myself. I do not even judge myself. Because listeners, podcast listeners, Facebook watchers, you know this as well as I do. You can totally not care what other people think of you, and you still care what you think about you. Yeah, that's good. You still make moral judgments about yourself all the time. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah, just look at yourself in the mirror, and Mm -hmm. you're making judgments. Value judgments. Right. How about... Are you judging yourself based on your performance at work? Mm-hmm. Are you successful or are you not successful? Do you make a lot of money? Do you not make a lot of money? Do you drive a nice car? Or do you drive a, a junker? And, you, and, you, and you, if you're not careful, if you let your own moral judgments about yourself, your own estimation, estimation about yourself be the direction that your life takes, you will then make decisions to fix that that could cost you big time yeah. in the long run. Yeah. Or just get depressed. <laughs> yeah. He says, I don't even judge myself. This is something that therapists today would recoil at because therapy today is is built on the mantra, be true to yourself. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, don't worry about what anybody else thinks, but do worry about what do you think about you? All your heart. 
Yeah, no, that's not what Paul says here, right? right he right. doesn't say that. He says, I don't even judge myself. Why? Because it is the Lord who judges me. And so Christians, why? how can you walk free from judgment of others, the, the condemnation of others, the, 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 the value estimation of you uh, from others upon you? Here's how. Because you know and you have internalized the gospel of Jesus Christ, which put Jesus Christ on a cross for your sins mm. and for your righteousness. At the cross, your sins were taken away, and Christ's righteousness, hello, Christ's righteousness <laughs> was put inside of you. That's what happened at the cross. That's the mystery. So now you can eliminate your sins and your victories. Mm. You're bad and you're good because you're not defined by that anymore. Right. You're defined by the work of Christ for you. Thank God. This is why Paul will say in Romans chapter 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. In other words, I have a righteousness from God, not my own righteousness. Mm. How about Philippians chapter 3, verse 8? Paul says, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, for whose sake I've lost all things. He says, I want to be found in him, having not a righteousness of my own. Having not a righteousness, I, in other words, I'm not going to make my value judgment on how good I am. Yeah, It's not a righteousness of my own. It comes from, it doesn't come from the law, he says, but it's a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God. Friends, if you can get this inside of you, it will release you from all the moral judgments of everybody around you and even inside your mind. It's freeing. It's freeing. And how about this? Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because in Christ, your sins were judged 2,000 years ago. And in Christ, your righteousness was sealed and given to you by faith 2,000 years ago. You are now a child of the living God and you can disconnect. You can disconnect your identity from all that you've done wrong and all that you've done right, and you can just live as God wants you to live freely. Amen. Right. Yeah. A lot of people need to hear this now. They're yeah, commenting. they're saying that. Good one. Good word. They need to hear that. And so, yeah. Well, I'm, amen. It's a good word because it comes from the word. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not my yeah. word. It's his word, hey, right? We're not going <laughs> to judge you on Don't that. give me credit. It's God's word. So wow. look, at, look at this, though. <laughs> Hebrews 9, 14, and I love it. Um, how much more... Will the blood of Christ, he's talking about the blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament, but now he says, verse nine, verse 14 of Hebrews 9, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience mm. from dead works to serve the living God? I want to say this, something to everybody watching or listening. You have a conscience that is con that if you're not careful will constantly condemn you. Mm. I'm no good. Oh, I'm, oh, I really made a mistake now. Oh my gosh, no, everybody else is doing so much better than me. Oh, and, and this is why you don't come to church, some of you. You mm -hmm. don't come to church because you think, oh, these people are so much better than I am. And your conscience is condemning you. Yeah. Your conscience. Come on, sometimes it's not yeah. the people's judgment outside of you. It's your judgment inside of For you. Sure. That's the problem. And here's what the blood of Jesus does. The blood of Jesus purifies your conscience. Yeah. Yes. Your conscience is freed to, be say, to just say, thank you. Thank you, God. You have saved me and made me your own. And now who I am is not based on how good I've been or how bad I've been. Right. But on what Christ has done for me. That does not now mean you right. can go and do all these horrible things that you want to do because, hey, it is the Lord who judged me. <laughs> no. He's saying, he's saying I'm just freed from living uh, responsively to everybody's or even my own opinion of me. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Powerful. Powerful stuff. 
And then he goes, that's why he goes on. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. In other words, it doesn't mean now I can just go do what I want. No, I mm. want to do what Christ wants. Right. Changes your heart. Changes my heart. He's the one who judges me. And then verse 5, therefore, wrapping up the argument and closing out the podcast here, wrapping up the argument. Therefore, verse 5, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, will disclose the purpose of the heart, then each one will receive his commendation from God. What he's basically saying is um, that there is hidden motives behind what everybody does. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we make judgments about people's motives. We make judgment about why are they doing that? We make motive judgments. And right. like, stop. Yeah. Stop doing that. Or we make visual judgments. We perceive something in someone, and so then we make a judgment upon them because, you know, why are they doing that or, or what's wrong with them or whatever. And he says, look, you got to stop making those judgments. Even in the church, friends, even in the church, you have to stop judging the people sitting next to you, yeah. the people on stage, the people who are coming to your church who are nothing like you. Wait until the Lord comes. Um, now, again, he's not saying we don't make uh, moral judgments on what's right and what's wrong for God's people. He's speaking from a, a position of he has been judged and condemned and kind of discarded by the Corinthians, and now he's kind of fighting back saying, look, your opinion of me doesn't matter to me, and I'm going to tell you the truth because your opinion of me doesn't matter to, to me. And in, in the church, we got to look at people and say, if, if they're doing what God wants them to do, if they're doing things that are good for the church, let's not, let's not try to like make value judgments on what they're doing or why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Let's not make value judgments on why they're doing it. Let's just make judgments on what is being done. Right. So we can get away from these, these games that we play about all this stuff that causes division and so on and so forth. And, and really you, you don't, you don't know what's in somebody's heart. Right. Or where God is working on them. Yeah. And yeah. we brought this up a couple of podcasts ago, the Joel Osteen verdicts sure. out there. Yeah. People yeah. who love the judges guy. Yeah. You, know, you don't know what's in his heart, so stop it. Uh, or, or some of you who come to Water Church, you don't know what's in my heart, so stop it. Yeah. You know, you don't know what's in somebody's heart. So, so don't always be so quick to say something about someone because they are this or that or the other thing. Right. And it's not like you. You've got to let the Lord be the final judge of those things. Got a question? It is off topic. We got it when we first came on, so I just want to bring it up mm -hmm. when we're done. Mm -hmm. uh, off we topic, can yeah. Well, she's asking, "How do I regain my faith?" How do you regain your faith? He uh, Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. Yeah. So you regain your faith by getting into a life giving church, a gospel preaching church, and coming every time you can, listening to this podcast right now as we talk about Christ's work for you. Right. And calling out to God. Mm -hmm. uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Right. So it's hearing and hearing. What do you do after you hear? You hear some more. Mm -hmm. And I, it's, this, it's the case for me too. I need to hear God's word spoken over my life because I lose, you know, my beliefs in many respects, sure. small respects, but many respects. And I'm not, I'm not living like a Christian all the time. Yeah, this is why I need the word of God to come back and remind me. You're a Christian. You're a child of God. Right. Live like it. Yep. Otherwise, I will give myself over my energies and all of my efforts over to the judgments of other people. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as off topic as you thought. No, Chris. Was, that was well, you can tie it all in. Or so, you're yeah. gonna think I gotta live up to my own expectations of myself again. I'm judging myself. Mm -hmm. No, it is the Lord who judges me. I am now freed from that stuff. Mm. 
See, this should inspire faith in you right now. That's how you regain your faith. And I hope that you're thinking about that. Like, like faith is not something that you've got to drum up in yourself. Right. It, the disciples said, give us more faith. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed. So it's not, it's not the size of your faith. Right. It's what is your faith in? Mm-hmm. What is your faith in? I, I have faith that this chair is holding me up right now. It doesn't matter how strong my faith is. Right. It matters how strong the chair is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't have to have big time faith. I don't even have to think about my faith in this chair. The fact that the, fa- the, the chair is strong, that's what faith is with God. It's objective. It's not subjective. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't originate in me. It originates in the object of my faith. Right. And so that's why some of your weakest prayers will be answered because God is stronger than even your heart. Strength in you, yeah. Stronger than your faith. Yeah. And it, well, we call it getting fed, right? When you come to church, you get fed. And I, I often think about it, uh, you have to feed yourself every day. Of course. You know, with food, with yeah. actual food. So why not spiritually? Man does not live by bread alone, but in every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then another passage corollarily with, with her question is, uh, uh, he, uh, Habakkuk 3, which is the, the just shall live by faith. So we live on the word of God and thereby we live by faith. Yeah, that's good. We live on the word of God and thereby we live by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Big ideas, summing it up. Any more questions before mm, big ideas? Nothing. I think that's it. Yep. So the big idea is uh, in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 to 7, a leader or a Christian is an emissary of the purposes of Christ, not people. So don't, don't serve their interests. You can serve them as long as what you're doing is in the interest of Christ for them. Um, two, good Christian leadership is rooted in carrying out Christ's priorities, not obsessing about people's preferences. And again, so it is the Lord who judges me. I'm freed. I'm freed to do what Christ wants, not what people expect me to do. Mm. Three, when we are rooted in God's work for us in Christ the gospel, we don't need to work for anyone else's approval. We have been approved of in Christ Jesus. And by the way, this is why Paul can say, I am the worst of sinners. I'm the least of the apostles. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I'm the least of the saints. This is why he has. He's so open about. I'm a. I'm a big time failure a lot of times because he has not internalized his failures right. as his identity. His identity is rooted and founded fully in the finished work of Christ for him. And, and as, as, as last thing, I want to just sum up for some of you because you got to get this again into your heart. Mm. Um, when when Jesus comes out of the water of baptism, the heavens open, the Spirit descends, and the voice from heaven says. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now listen, if you have been baptized into Christ, which is what happens when you come to faith in Christ spiritually, you should also be baptized physically. Mm. But when you're baptized spiritually into Christ, you come out of the waters of Christ washing you of your sins and the heavens are open. You start to understand things. You start to perceive things nobody else perceives, those mysteries of God. Mm -hmm. The spirit descends. The spirit comes into your life and empowers you to live his kind of life. And the father says... This is my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. That's what it means to be in Christ. That's why we do what we do here at Waters Church. That's why we are in the Deep End podcast. That's why the boys are back in town. town. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I hope this has helped everybody. This was the Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's Deep End Podcast. We pray that you continue to grow in your faith and that you would serve and support your local church. If you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us this weekend at Waters Church. 
We are located at 57 John Deach Square in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. And you can join us every Saturday at 4 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. Make sure to stay tuned in for next week's episode of The Deep End Podcast.